You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week, I'm here to introduce a conversation between RA contributor Ryan Keeling and Manchester legend Mr. Scruff. As a you know, an older, more established practitioner, I think it's always good to let the younger generations kind of shine a light on how they understand things these days. Mr. Scruff started DJing in the early 90s. He is well known for his marathon DJ sets and also for selling tea to raise money for charity from a small room inside the Music Box, a venue in Manchester, where he was a resident in the noughties. Lately, Mr. Scruff has been on the decks, this time to create an expertly blended DJ Kicks mix that is actually garnished with humour. Ryan Keeling caught up with Mr. Scruff earlier this year at the start of lockdown in the UK. Okay, so we're recording this around uh, a week since the UK government announced uh, lockdown measures in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, yeah, I think it would be pretty strange or um, incongruous to start our conversation anywhere else. Um, maybe you could give us a, a personal snapshot um, of your life in lockdown so far. Um, it's been kind of calm, actually. I mean, you know, like like many artists, when we're not uh, out and about on the weekend, then you're at home most of the week. Um, so I suppose um, the, the main thing is just, you know, all the gigs have stopped. And I think simply because of the circumstances, um, that bit of my life has just disappeared, really. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, and I think for a lot of artists, so I have a feeling I'm going to start getting a bit twitchy in a few weeks just because obviously the, the feeling of of expressing yourself in a club with a load of people is is something that's very enjoyable and you know something I've been doing for 25 years so to suddenly stop that kind of uh uh yeah it does feel a bit strange but yeah for me it's just been um being sensible keeping in touch with people getting exercise good nutrition lots of sleep I've uh, been homeschooling my daughter as well, which has been uh, a challenge. But, you know, that 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 was the thing where I thought we've got to nail this straight away. Otherwise, you know, our life's got to be hell for the next few months. So, yeah, just getting a bit more structure at home and, you know, getting a few more things organized. Mm. Uh, just going back to what you were saying there about uh, DJing on the weekend, um, would you say that it's almost like... Um... A re- I was sort of getting the idea of a release when you were when you were talking about it, like something that keeps you in a sort of equilibrium. Um, yeah, I mean, is that something you've got to think about much? Uh, I think so. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think it's a load of you know quite dull, practical, just readjusting your life to take care of. But I think um, you know I've noticed a lot of people uh, going online and doing you know, sort of live DJ sets and stuff like that. It's something I'm toying with and kind of working on the technical aspects of it at the moment. But, you know, I just need to do a tidy up and stuff like that first. But yeah, yeah, it, it, I think definitely, I think you can't, you know, if you just stop something that's become a very important part of your life and almost like the, you know, because everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get in the studio and do this and do that. But I think, you know, the DJing is the flip side of, of being in the studio all week or doing all your preparation and kind of all the geeky stuff. It's the, you know, it's the social aspect of it and that energy of, of um, you know, obviously being together with a group of people and kind of, um, 
you know the all the good things that come from uh you know sharing your free time with like-minded souls i think obviously the digital aspect of it is something that we'll have to become a lot more comfortable with mm. uh but nothing beats being in a room with a load of people and feeling that energy and and the vibe so i think this will be um uh, i think the next few weeks will be quite interesting in terms of how a lot of the streaming platforms and and you know and these kind of conferencing apps kind of deal with this in terms of almost trying to make it as real as possible and as easy as possible uh you know kind of tempered by the fact that we've all got reduced bandwidth because everyone's online facetiming the friends or whatever so it's uh yeah it's 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 interesting but for me i i, I just thought right we just need to get stuff uh sorted at home get some structure have a bit of a tidy up you know do some basic stuff first but you know get stuck into that to-do list that you've had on the back burner for two years yeah. uh, and obviously you know keeping keeping an eye on people and, and checking in with people and having conversations and making sure that you know no one's kind of forgotten or left out because um you know everybody's life has changed drastically over the last two or three weeks and obviously for some people it's gone ridiculously hectic whether you're you know, working in a shop or delivery, or you know, and uh, you know, on the you know sort of frontline medical or emergency services, or and other people have just had you know their entire way of life kind of has just stopped. Um, so I think there's going to be a whole lot of issues that are springing from this, and obviously a, a lot of um, solutions because you've got a load of load of bored, clever people who are going to be coming up with you know lots of uh lots of interesting stuff that maybe they hadn't previously had time to work on because of their own uh financial pressures and obviously that you know that issue i mean you know worldwide um you know people have now not got an income or maybe you know might know that they have some kind of protection or some savings or perhaps some government help for some people that's come straight away for other people they might have a month or two before they've got to start stressing about it. And for other people, they don't have a clue. And I'm sure, you know, many millions of people are still perhaps working when they shouldn't be and putting themselves at risk simply because, uh, you know, they have no other option. Mm. Are there particular um, sort of creative projects that you've maybe got your eye on for the for the coming weeks? Um not really it's kind of I, I just think that you know for me it's a period of readjustment and i think i think get get stuff in order get your head in order get like a yeah. i think you know a kind of rebalance your life in terms of health and and relationships and communication and all that kind of thing and then get stuck into the creative stuff i think you know for, for me like the creative things is almost like like pudding you know what i mean you, you, you eat your greens yeah. first and then you get stuck in purely so you know you know that right, I've done everything else I need to do. I can now spend three or four hours guilt-free in the studio, you know what I mean? Um, mm, mm. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's collaborations planned, but I need to kind of work out the best way to do that so we can kind of do it in real time, you know, in different countries and all that kind of thing. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, lots of, you know, I've spoken to lots of people about it, and it's all a great idea, but then, you know, it's kind of just making sure that, that you've got to create this, the right environment, you know, to work on just like you do with a home studio. You'd set it up properly, make sure your acoustics are sorted, test the equipment, you know, then you get stuck in and then, you know, it's, you know, it's a it's kind of a, a new work environment. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of not in limbo, but kind of just letting myself and the people around me adjust and obviously be ready to react to any time that I'm, I'm needed for anything because, you know, it's, it's not, 
you know, it's not a massive issue having to kind of readjust your lifestyle, but, you know, especially speaking to friends who are, you know, having to work, you know, double the hours that they've had to, or, you know, speaking to friends of mine who work in shops who are, you know, four times busier than they were two weeks ago, you know, dealing with often rude customers all the time, you know, and, and wow. it's that, you know, it's kind of like, it puts it all in perspective, you know, friend, you know, a lot of people who, who have housing issues or, you know, or work with the homeless regularly and seeing the things that they've got to deal with. Uh, you know, especially people or people who don't have a support network around them. It's kind of like it feels odd, kind of going, "Oh, what collaborations?" When you know, have you got coming up? When you know, you, you know people in your day to day lives who you speak to very regularly have, have literally had their world turned upside down. You know what I mean? Or, or their workload mm. workload quadrupled with very little, you know, kind of support, and you know, people don't have a choice but just to carry on, um, despite the fact they know they're putting themselves at risk. It's a really, really good point. Um, it sort of brings me on to what I wanted to ask you about um, music and culture generally in moments such as this, because um, I think there's this real paradox at play where kind of, as you were saying, these things sort of necessarily need to go on the back burner. And uh, the idea of thinking about a collaboration when, you know, one of your friends works in a shop or healthcare or something like that, and you're hearing their stories, you know, it can it maybe seem a little bit... Um, I don't know, surface level, uh, not, not, not so meaningful at these sorts of times. But then I'm thinking the flip side of that is that, you know, people are relying on things like music and culture more than ever at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're reverting to some of their favorite records or maybe they're just using, um, you know, television as a means of distraction just to give them a little bit of a, of a break from the news cycle and these sorts of things. Um, yeah, I was wondering how you reflect on on something like that. You know, this sort of idea, like, does does music is music important at this time? And you know, can it have sort of different uses? Uh, yeah, I think music's incredibly important, and I think um, obviously culturally, most of them, I'd say, the vast majority of the music which we treasure and kind of you know hold dear as influences or constant companions in our lives have generally come out of some kind of hard times or limited means or oppression or as a way of vocalizing something which perhaps couldn't even be said out loud in public for fear of recrimination um so yeah it's it's absolutely important i mean personally i don't feel ready to kind of dive in the studio and start messing around with snares but then you know um you know i've still got music constantly on in the house and it's yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. And just seeing how people around me, kind of contemporaries and friends are kind of, you know, they're, they're not thinking about it like me. They're just jumping straight on the decks and kind of sharing stuff. I mean, for me, it's, it's um, personally, I, I find that obviously the connectivity that we have, um, you know, is great that you can have a, you know, you, you can have a Zoom kind of party with your family or your friends or have a quiz night with 10 mates in different countries or you know and keep up keep up with people but I don't know I'm I'm more still on that thing of just like one-to-one phone calls of just checking in with people and that kind of thing I don't know it's uh uh my head's not quite at the sort of um almost you know almost like getting back 
to kind of socializing through a screen it doesn't it's not the time for me to do that yet you know what i mean i've got to get yeah. my get my head down and do a few other bits but it's brilliant seeing people knock that up and i've, I've had a few people you know mates who've you know you just go on facebook and someone happens to be playing some records and it's like yeah brilliant you know it's it, it's fantastic people are doing whatever they feel is necessary um to do and obviously some people have more free time than others other people were like you know like i said are twice as busy and you know would kill for you know even the time to sit down and listen to an album never mind you know a five hour mix thing and other people are you know obviously my thing is like well get onto family and that kind of thing and then maybe in a few weeks but yeah i, I think the music thing is incredibly important because it's um you know the on, on on so many levels, I think when you're obviously the whole thing about um, you know venues closing and these meeting spaces being taken away, but you have these friends that here who you know most of my friends that I made in my teens and twenties of uh, through clubs and on dance floors and that kind of thing. So you will still use that um, you know the thing that brought you together to kind of keep you in touch. Um, but yeah, you know, people are going to do that in all all kinds of ways, whether it's with a cartoon or with a well written article. You know, personally, I'm still trying to make sense about the whole situation and try and read and learn as much as I can. I'm avoiding the news because obviously it's the same things repeated, and yeah. you know, not you know the I don't know a lot of it's scaremongering as well, and you you kind of you know maybe a little confused as to what the actual agenda is but but in terms of reading how maybe you know people in china have dealt with it people in taiwan and people in italy and spain you know i've got got lucky to have a lot of friends around the world who i can speak to are maybe two or three weeks ahead of us in terms of what we have to expect here in the uk um so yeah but you know the moment you start thinking about music you then think about oh what about all those bar staff at the club or you know kind of how are they doing all these promoters and it's um, yeah, it, it's odd because I think the in any creative enterprise you have, you know, a lot of people who are quite happy spending a week on their own in the studio who probably wouldn't want to speak to anyone for a week. They just want to get in the zone. And other people who are, you know, kind of the people who make the party ha- happen, they would go absolutely crazy if they didn't speak to anyone for a day. So you know, you've you've got such a wide range of people with um, you know, different personalities and attention spans and needs and skill sets and all these people are kind of finding new ways to uh communicate I, th- I think in a couple of weeks it'll all settle down as well you know in terms of people finding a new kind of groove to sort of live their life by and um you know a lot of the stuff which we're kind of puzzled by or confused or having to kind of think about or overthink at the moment will be second nature in a few weeks yeah. um you know but we are all in, in the same position this is unifying every layer of society you know people of different interests neighbors everyone's looking out for each other so that you know you can you can sense positive things coming out and the fact that some people unless they're directly affected by uh you know the the virus whether they're caring for someone or or people or or whether they're actually suffering it themselves a lot of people are finding that they've had chance to kind of stop and you know take stock uh as well so um I know you just asked me a question about music and I went off somewhere else completely, but uh, I think that's no, just... No, <laughs> not at all, not at all. You actually touched on about three things there that I wanted to ask you more generally, but um, 
I suppose it's inevitable for us to think about um, what the sort of medium or longer term implications mm-hmm. of this of this whole thing might be upon the sort of um, the infrastructure. Um, thinking about a kind of a, a very precious but quite fragile ecosystem, you know, where people are um, a lot of times in it for the love, mm-hmm. and you know, the working in. Um, you know, very personally fulfilling, but quite low paying job. So, um, yeah, I wonder if you've been thinking much about the uh, the potential impact at a sort of grassroots level. And if you feel that there may be, um, you know, clubs and venues and spaces out there who, who might not be able to uh, come back from this. Um, yeah, it, it's that's definitely the case. I think, you know, and this isn't just clubs and spaces, this is shops and businesses sometimes whole industries you know or kind of whole uh you know different markets or you know you know or kind of crafts or that kind of thing um same again it's sort of how do you know you know sort of for us like a couple of weeks into this and obviously you know finally we have you know we're get we're getting towards some at least some you know some rules and regulations about kind of what we all need to do in order to work together um but uh, yeah, it, it's really difficult. I mean, obviously, you know, you you have a lot of um, you know sort of local uh, groups or, or variants of Save Our Scene or, or you know kind of local venues who are either being very inventive or proactive in um, you know fundraising for themselves or their staff or or perhaps in a, a wider community sense. A lot of venues who are you know looking outside of the you know the the kind of nighttime economy and looking around their local community and going right we've got a space we can't use as a club now you know but we can use yeah. it for something else so this is yeah the 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 i think what's kind of quite sweet is that people are are looking outside of what they normally have to deal with on a on on their day-to-day um life and whether that's you know you know, people who work in a grassroots venue who might be doing it on a volunteering capacity anyway, uh, or in you know, say somewhere like Partisan in Manchester, which is, you know, it's all it's all you know, volunteers, but they're also providing space for other community groups to come in. You know, what I mean, a lot of this is is far wider than just music venues because, you know, music's made by people, and I think it's kind of if you get into the music you kind of have to embrace the, the the baggage of the people who make it whether or not you're part of that community or not do you feel as though the technological solutions can be a, a decent stand-in for the for the sort of um you know typical irl experience do you think we can make improvements that will start to get it, get as close to it? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, a, you know, a, a crackly phone call is good as long as you can hear someone. Uh, I suppose yeah. one thing that you know is kind of slightly concerning at the back of my mind is that you know too much time spent online anyway is bad for mental health and kind of attention span and all kinds of you know, you know, different, um, you know, different reasons. So relying on something which could be potentially be damaging as a kind of like a social guide I've, i just think we're going to have to be very very careful how we use these tools that we're we all have access to um so yeah I, I, you know I, I think i think the you know the software developers and you know maybe even the you know the 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 internet providers if they're you know if they can increase their speed a bit then there will be more bandwidth for these developers to play with in terms of potentially 
creating something that's a bit more not virtual reality or immersive but just at least works you know what i mean obviously yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. services slowed down but then yeah it, it's you know the last thing you want to be doing is spending 18 hours a day online on you know constantly kind of almost like searching for something that's happening for you to grab onto you know what i mean it's it's mm-hmm. it's it, I, I, you know I, I think that a lot of people who maybe already have problems with perhaps relying on their devices too much could you know fall further into that trap so um yeah I, I, you know i think a lot of the ways that people are dealing with with this uh you know the, the pandemic and all it's all, all the kind of um all the new situations it's put us in i think you know this could result in a lot of addictive behavior whether it's substance abuse or drinking or you know just over reliance on just having to be connected to something all the time i was thinking as well about this idea of um being in a more sort of contemplative headspace um i guess i want to preface what i'm about to say um by sort of mentioning that you know i'm personally in quite a privileged position um you know i'm not out on the front lines of this thing and i guess it is a privilege at this moment to have a bit of time and Mm -hmm. um you know some space to think about what the future of this thing might be but i suppose i was wondering like you know about this being a reset and thinking about the health of people and the health of the scene and so forth do you think there's anything that maybe we could do with sort of relegating to the past is there anything about the scene that sort of has grown to feel a bit unsustainable to you or any sort of particular i don't i don't know really behaviors or ways of doing things that you know and we, we've got this sort of strange unique moment where maybe we can start things a little bit um, from fresh um yeah it's it's difficult to say i mean uh i think from a number of reasons one i think my experience of kind of uh you know the club scene and nightlife over the last few years has kind of been confined to my own events which are a bit at odds with what else generally goes on in clubs i mean in, my personal taste in in terms of what um what makes a good night and this is you know this is this could be one of a, a hundred different ways to have a good night but one is a kind of you know building something from small uh you know from a community of of like-minded people who all share a love for something whether it's they're all making the kind of music or whether there's just a certain attitude which is um you know which is carried through an event and that could be a love for all different kinds of music you know i mean for me i will always use say plastic people as a touchstone um simply because of the you know the the whole vision of ade who ran that venue was like this is pretty much as good as it gets you know what i mean in terms of you know someone you know a, a place where you can play whatever you want and everybody there is just really into it and there's no fear in terms of what you can or can't play um you know i think the you know the kind of codes of behavior in certain scenes some can be great and some of those are obviously very protective of people who you know who use that club as a safe space but others can yeah. be really kind of dull and kind of why are you doing that you know what I mean? you know what i mean yeah, sure, and, but yeah. then you know the the club scene you know that that ranges from you know kind of your most underground secret members clubs to you know kind of very you know sort of charty saturday night things you know what i mean so it's kind mm-hmm. of there's, there's a whole you know um 
you know, the sort of spectrum of, of, of different nights and each, I suppose, has their good and bad points. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd emphasis on dancing. I've, I've a feeling, uh, I think uh, one thing that, that I, I feel has got worse over the last few years is overcrowding in venues. Okay. Um, I think that's just simply people are just going, what's the capacity? We'll go, run it up to the capacity um you know never mind but not really paying attention so how is this uh the concentration of people on this dance floor making people behave and a lot of the time it's yeah. preventing them from dancing um i think um you know it's great for people to be looking at each other on the dance floor you know obviously if you're djing it's nice to have a bit of a viewpoint so you can see to the back of the room but um yeah i think you know from a from a dj and a club perspective i think just being more on the level of the dancers smaller venues keep the phones off the dance floor uh yeah just you know less about the spectacle and more about just the togetherness and the the excitement of of sharing music with people and then but then people dancing their hearts out as well so that's a real expression of how that music's being received and that energy is really getting transmitted around the room and this these dances are real kind of reference points to um you know parts of the culture that the records are themselves kind of bringing out you know what i mean um yeah so it's i think it's a bit more about being connected to why this music exists in the first place Um, because a lot of this music you know each record you play that will be a product of some kind of scene in some part of the world at some point in the past um you know and obviously some scenes are you know you know say for instance you you know taking kind of you know grime or whatever the practitioners and the djs and the people are making the music that was all kind of contained within the club you know what i mean but but in many you know many you know, m- many circumstances, if you're a DJ and you're playing music that's not from your immediate environment, then you are kind of showcasing somebody else's culture. And, you know, obviously it's really interesting to find out about that. But then if you're, if you're, you know, if you're DJing to a club full of people and playing music from all eras and all ages, and you've got a good mixed crowd that kind of reflects that, each person is kind of going to be in, in, in some way able to reflect their upbringing and their culture and their music uh tastes by how they react to what you're playing and quite often they'll be you you might be playing a record you don't understand the lyrics be like this is wicked and they're like yeah my dad was in that band you know in mexico in 1960s like this is what this tune means and this is how you dance to it you know what i mean so it's almost like bringing you're trying to make things as full circle as possible in a beautiful way where everybody can contribute more you know what i mean you know i think it's good to have a focus of a night in terms of having someone who selects the music and obviously, you know, having the sound system set up right and stuff. But, you know, it's like having a house party or inviting people around for dinner. You're the host, but then you want everybody to feel as comfortable as possible and become part of it. You know, it's, mm. I think, it, you know, the, the, the family aspect of culture and how you create a kind of, a, you know, a second musical family within an event. And it's not just about selling tickets, you know what I mean? It, it's about how do, how do these people feel in this room? You know, can we, how do we make people feel more welcome? Um, you know, do, do we set any rules for kind of making people feel more comfortable by just saying, look, we don't do that here, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's more, it, it, it's realising what a precious thing this, you know, 
this thing that we have, you know, in terms of 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 nightclubs and all the other kind of musical exploits that surround that, whether that's live music or radio or just people doing their thing and sharing what they love with other people who are interested in either, you know, kind of replying to that or reciprocating in a in a in a creative gesture. I think grounding a, a club night or a scene in its in 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 its social origins, whether that's local or international, and then paying respects to that and making sure that people know about it as well. I think it's having these connections, you know, going, making sure people know where this music comes from if they're interested and and showing those roots and being very vocal about your influences and where this comes from and where that comes from. Um, Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, you know, we're all part of a big musical family and we're all connected in some way whether it's by, you know, by shared influences or just shared taste in music. Uh, and and for me, the joy of, of DJing is, is making those connections. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to play in many different countries. And I, so I always try and take a little bit of the music from that country back to that country. Right, I'm playing in uh, Turin. I'm going to play some music from Turin. It could be new music or old music, but you know a couple of people in there are going to clock that and they're going to fire something back at you, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like a little yeah, nod. Yeah. But it, it's kind of, if if everyone is just doing, making that little effort just to kind of connect in some way uh, in, and being very honest about what they don't know as well, because I think, especially if you're a DJ, you kind of think that you have to know everything and be an expert on all kinds of music. And it's like, no... This is all, you know, you know, after, you know, 20 odd, 30 odd years of DJing, you realize, actually, I don't know anything. You know, this is barely scratching 0.01% and that's actually quite liberating. So it's kind of, let's, yeah. let's just all let our guard down, put the phones down. Uh, if you're a promoter, leave some space in the club, you know what I mean? And um, yeah. yeah, but this, you know, there, there are so many different things. I mean, I think nowadays, you know, the, the whole community aspect of of clubbing is it just seems really to be making a bit more of a comeback and and is definitely being um written about more which is great because then other people are reading that and going okay i'm going to put a bit of that in my event you know what i mean otherwise Mm -hmm. if if you're not if you're not lucky enough to be have been party to that kind of event when you're growing up it may as well not exist you know what i mean so it's um you know, and, and and then it's kind of, do you want your club to be like a, you know, a little corner shop where you can go in and the owner will happily chat to you for half an hour? Or do you want it to be Tesco? You know what I mean? Ruthlessly efficient. You get everything you want, but you kind of, you don't come, you don't come away with anything in your heart. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know which I prefer. difficult maybe impossible to maintain some of the qualities that you're talking about you know and then you've also got this thing where um uh, you know obviously money at the end of the day plays a big factor and you know when you've got a big infrastructure and a big number of people sort of connected to big events and how they do need to become a bit more like tesco's and i'm wondering yeah do you do you think that 
the type of event you're talking about can only necessarily be so so big um it depends i, th- I think it, it it really really uh hangs on the attitude and the reasons that whoever starts the club in the first place is is doing it for mm. so i don't think there is you know i've been to amazing club nights where you know there's been 1500 people and it it's kind of you know i i don't see that you know you can still feel that that energy and the freedom uh, I think as a DJ or, you know, it, it's feeling that you're allowed to do that for a start. Um, you know, festivals, you know, the obvious, you know, it, you can kind of tell whether a festival is being put on by someone who loves music or not. You know, it's kind of, uh, so I don't, I don't think it's a size yeah. thing. I mean, obviously, you know, that the smaller events are, the less that money's a concern and the more local, and obviously these things do grow. Um, and you know and and sometimes new people get involved sometimes the people who are putting the events on uh you know they may change their perspective you know which is you know perfectly kind of acceptable and normal some people stick with it if it does get a bit more commercial other people kind of go back to another smaller event and kind of um start again so it's yeah Yeah. you know obviously the, the the more rootsier events will be more low-key um but then i think you do have some larger events i mean for instance i'd say take last year's we out here festival which was for me as rootsy as any little festival i've been to and and but that was reflected in the crowd the crowd was really varied in in age and kind of you know background and in terms of what music they're into but everyone kind of knew how to be with each other as well um, What's the capacity? Roughly? Uh, that was a, probably about eight thousand last year. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And that was phenomenal. You know, I went with the family, and that was just an example of a kind of, you know, it's not a massive festival, but I could see that definitely has the capacity to grow significantly without losing any of its vibe, simply because mm-hmm. of of the reasons that this whole event's being put together and the people who are involved, and also the relationships between the people who are putting the event on and the artists. You know, they're you know that's one of the festivals where I'd say pretty much ninety percent of the artists they're in it for the whole weekend. You know, that's just yeah, we're not in and out. You know what I mean? That's uh, you know, this is kind of uh, you know real sort of spiritual nourishment if you see what I mean. And just in terms yeah, of connecting yeah. with people and the music, and everyone's just like, yeah, these are my people. We can like we can go in in here. You know what I mean? Rather than you have to be a little bit you know kind of soft or easy on people or you know, kind of make a little bit of a musical introduction. It's just like, right, we can get heavy straight away. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I, I think, yeah, it's it's really difficult, I think, to kind of generalize and say, well, you know, small events are better than big events or this kind of thing's better than that thing because, you know, there's so much variety in other factors. It could be regional. It could just be the choice of venue. You know, there are, there are so many other things because promoters, you know, you, you could have the sweetest, most kind of community-minded promoter, but maybe they can only get a venue which is run by someone who's a little bit more ruthless. Mm. You know, and, and, yeah, and you know, so, so the, you know, the, the, it, you know, and, and some people don't have the choice of venues. It's like, yeah, well, we either do it here or we, we can't do it anywhere else. Um, you know, but it's... Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's just such a, almost like, a you know, such an open-ended, you know, sort of formula for putting on a good event. 
Uh, and you know, and also, you know, another thing that's not forget when you have a regular event, you'll have a crowd uh, uh, of, of regulars and supporters who will grow with that event. You know, some of them might, you know, if you have an event that's been running for a long time, you know, and you start with, and you're all 18 when you start your club night, seven years later, a few of you might start, oh, we've got a proper job now. We can't go out on Saturday night or, oh, we're, we're having kids, you know, or, or people move away or do their own thing. And, and then you have a new crop of people in and they'll be reacting completely differently. Um you know, they'll they'll have a different perspective than than your original crowd. You know, some some club nights have been running for thirty years, or maybe with occasional get-togethers, but they'll have the same crowd that they had back in the late eighties, early nineties. Others will yeah. be, you know, regular, but they'll have like fresh blood in every year as the older, you know, as 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 a kind of the older contingent either, you know, kind of leaves to have kids, and they might be back fifteen years later when you know when they can leave their kids alone in the house or whatever. But it's a uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's so many dynamics. I mean, I've had a club night for 21 years now. I was about to say, yeah, how's how's that cycle been for Keep It Unreal? Um, brilliant. I love it. I love the I love the sort of reliability of the regulars and the fact that you know you can't play it safe musically because they'll have heard it last month. You know what I mean? So you can't oh, you, you can't repeat yourself. But I like the kind of energy that the the newcomers bring as well. And just you seeing had people that sorry, um, uh-huh. I was just going to ask if you'd had people who've been going since the beginning. Uh, a few on and off. I mean, generally, you know, we'll have I'll have people who maybe come through for about seven, eight, nine years, and then maybe move away or just realise that they've been to a hundred of my nights and perhaps they need to go somewhere else. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. I mean, but the, you know, this is this is I love people watching, uh, especially events that I'm involved in. And just seeing how people are with each other, and you know, newcomers and regulars, and and that kind of thing. And after a couple of years, those newcomers are then like the foundation of your next few years. You know what I mean? So it's kind of really important that, in some way, a kind of um, you know, that people are welcomed into the night. And it's a bit like, look, as long as you don't have your phone on the dance floor and you're nice to people, it's you know, you're absolutely cool and welcome. And you know, we, we'd love mm. to see you again next month. And people are really down with that, and I think it, it, you know that just uh, you know not getting all on top of people with rules, but just yeah, come on, you know th- this is you know almost like welcome to the family. Couple of house rules, you know, off you go, have a have yeah, a yeah, have yeah. a boogie, and um, but you know it's it, it's just nice to see the social atmosphere that you try and create when you're planning an event come to life, and you know people getting on with people they've never met before. You know, new groups of friends being made a few years later, you know, people meeting and getting married, but they've met at your event, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's nice to, you know, and now I'm starting to get like, you know, like kids, you know, well, 20 year olds coming to my events and going, oh, yeah, you know, my, my, you know, my parents used to come to your club night 20 years ago and now I'm old enough to come. And, you know, it's like, wow, this is, you know, it makes you feel old, but it also, it, it, it kind of, you're sort of part of something moving forward and hopefully it's you know kind of passing on some good experiences of just how you can be you know together in a room with a with a a really nice mix of people and kind of express yourself without feeling uh you know self-conscious um i was thinking as well the um so you're saying there's a couple of um 
ground rules and you sort of want like what I'm imagining to be quite um, a sort of loose and familial vibe. Um, but then I suppose at the same time, you have a reputation as somebody who's very sort of detail orientated. So um, I was almost getting this picture of like this sort of effortful effortlessness, if that makes sense. So, you know, you've gone to a lot of trouble behind the scenes mm-hmm. to uh, make sure abso- absolutely everything's on point so that when people arrive, it all just seems quite you know, free and fluid. Um, cause yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to, um, you know, lead us on to, um, to, to some of the, some of the, um, extra, extra measures and extra things that you do behind the scenes, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the preparation is incredibly important. I think, you know, especially when you're traveling, uh, you know, it's important for me to get to the venue in the afternoon, um, meet the crew, you know, meet everyone who's working at the venue because they're going to be like your, you know, your sidekicks for the rest of the night. Meet the sound engineers, um, you know, any bar staff, bar managers who happen to be around. Just, you know, make make friends with people, um, you know, because you're kind of coming into their house. So it's like, look, you know, here's what I'd like to do. Here's the rider. We'll set it all up together. You know, I might have a few changes to make, but, I'd, you know, I'll request them respect to, respectfully because I'm in your gaff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and then it's, um, yeah, for me, if you spend two or three hours in the afternoon, not not only have you, you know, been geeking out with some lovely people and, you know, you get to play on their equipment, um, but then when you come back after you've had a bit of a rest or whatever, then you're at home. You know the venue, you know the sound system, you've made any changes, you've tested the equipment, nothing bad's going to happen. Um, so you can just, you know, you can just sort of glide in at 10 o'clock, put the first tune on, and it's like, yeah, I know, yeah. I know exactly what I'm playing with now, and you can completely freewheel it musically, because technically you're absolutely on the ball. You know, you've set your decks up, you've jumped around the stage or the booth. You know, you've asked people to shoulder barge the front of the DJ booth to absolutely double check the records don't jump. If yes. they do, if they do, you remount the turntables. You get some more concrete. You know what I mean? It's kind of. Mm. You just basically, you know, you, you test your kit and then you try and make bad stuff happen so you can prevent it happening during the night. Um, yeah, you get the lights right, everything. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's completely um, over-engineered before the doors and then and then once the doors are open, it's, it, you know, it's, it's complete freedom. And that's, you know, for me, I found that's a really good combination because I think anyone, any performer, unless they're, you know, ridiculously uh, on it, technically they're they're going to get slightly sidelined by any technical issues during the night yeah and and then you know probably have a little moan about it afterwards um so i think it's it's just taking away the chance of anything you know anything badly affecting the gig mm. are there things that you can do with the in-house sound engineer that can make an appreciable difference you know i don't, I, I just don't necessarily think there's tons of dj's out there who would think about having that initial conversation with them and maybe even realize that you know you can enter into a little collaboration and maybe they can do things with the system that will that will help you know yeah i mean i think the main thing is to you know you you settle the kit um you have a listen and then you walk around with the sound engineer and you you the first thing i would check is coverage so for instance if you're in a, a live venue 
there might not be very much coverage at the front of the dance floor simply because that's where a lot of ambient noise would come from if you were in a band. You know, you have the drums and the bass Uh, amps and stuff. So you might request for some front fills. Uh, You might request for the angle of the speakers to be adjusted, whether vertically or horizontally. Uh, If the speakers are a bit wide, you might ask for the stereo fields to just be narrowed slightly to give you a more kind of solid not quite mono image, but more of a solid um, image on the dance floor. Um, You might request for um, uh, possibly crossover points to be adjusted if they can access the processors. You might want to request some delays, times adjusting. It's basically just looking at how the system's been set up and and you know this is why the conversation with the in-house engineers before you get into that is great because they can say look yeah we're running this through the desk and um you know we've got these speakers set up like this i mean i do all this before i get to the gig you know i I check i'm on the website i check their pa specs i look at pictures of the venue i then email them say i may want to make a couple of requests on the day after we've checked your system out as it is, you know, we might want some extra subs judging on your spec. We may want to adjust the angle of these speakers. We might want to add some front fills. We might want to bypass the front of house desk. If it's not, you know, if it's like a, a cheapish digital desk, you might, you know, well, can we go straight into the processes and control, you know, the EQ and dynamics, uh, you know, remotely from an iPad or something, you know, just trying to get the signal chain as short as possible. Um, so yeah, is this is l- all just stuff that. Sorry to interrupt there. Um, is this all just stuff that you've picked up over the years? Yeah, I mean, my thing is, I've I've always travelled with a sound engineer for the last twenty years or so. So you get, oh wow, okay. you a you get their insight. You get obviously the instant camaraderie that you get between two sound engineers who who meet in a venue, um, and also they've got you back when you're on the stage, you know, because yeah. obviously if, if they can check and, you know, and if I'm pushing my levels too much, they'll come and have a word of me or like, oh, you pushing a bit of 4K, you know, before they make any adjustments, they'll come and check with me and just say, look, it's a little bit sharp out there. So, you know, just, you know, just, just, um, you know, keep an eye on your top end. Um, yeah, so, you know, and, and for me, having that insight, both from a venue's point of view, and having your own sound engineer, because um, obviously they they start to learn how you like it, and and they can kind of act on your behalf a lot of the time as well. Um, yeah, but it, you know, I found it a real joy to I think just be extremely comfortable with the technical aspects in any venue. Um, but also, you know, you, you have to speak to the people from the venue with respect, and if you want them to, you know, to you know, kind of change anything, it's good to do some research and then let them know before you arrive um you know you can generally tell that by you know a few photos of the venue and the pa spec Mm -hmm. you know you can say you know i like i don't like that front of house desk or you know can we bypass this or you know i'd like a couple of extra subs i think as long as you speak that kind of the venue language in terms of tech and how how stuff's um uh, you know how how people refer to things, or you know, if you're asking for something, just make sure you know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Uh, and then it's um, and then it's fine. And I and I find you you get a load of respect for actually caring about the sound. And they're like, oh, okay, right, yeah. We never normally we never normally do that for DJs. And then you know you, you actually end up 
you know you know striking a good relationship and then you'll see them again at the next venue a year later or perhaps in the nearby festival or they might be working as a freelance engineer for another venue you know what i mean you you, you end yeah. up it's it's not just about work you, the 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 sound engineers and the venue staff were a very important part of of your experience and and obviously you know they're they're you're using their equipment and their expertise to help everybody get the best sound uh, possible Let's talk about your uh, DJ Kicks mix, mm-hmm. lockdown listening for people. Um, maybe you could um, tell us about the process that went into it and if that process differed uh, from how you'd usually put mixes together. Yeah, it's extremely different. I mean, no, you know, normally when I do a mix, um, you know, it's, you, you put a load of records, you know, in a box and then just freewheel it and kind of go how you feel, you know, very much guided by how it feels in the venue and, and how, you know, the other people are, are kind of reacting to the music and, and communicating back, whether that's just through, you know, abuse or shouting or, or, or dancing or whatever. Uh, with this, it was more, it, it's an odd one because you want to kind of capture some of that energy of, you know, making a decision and just going, yeah, that tune will work and mixing it in. Uh, but obviously you have to try and license these tunes as well. And yeah. For me, I found it difficult to do a list and then just do a mix from it. I kind of, for not wanting to waste people's time trying to license stuff, I wanted to try and almost like do bits of the mix, find out what worked together, try and license it. If I couldn't license it, then, you know, kind of rework it. So there was a lot of reworking and kind of, you know, disappointment at not being able to include certain tunes. And I was messing people around by trying to, license things which I then didn't end up using because perhaps another adjacent record in a mix couldn't be licensed etc um but actually I, I really enjoyed it I, I got to communicate with a load of artists um I, you know I kind of managed to get a lot of different music into the mix without it feeling rushed uh you know kind of varied and and cohesive which is something I always try and aim for and you know get some humor in there just by the blends and the kind of combinations of music but uh yeah I've, I've not kind of you know sort of stayed at home and done a mix for ages so it was actually quite a luxury just being able to spend you know uh you know a few days with my headphones on and just you know get really really geekly into the blends and getting everything in key and all that kind of stuff it, remi- it just reminds me of when i was a teenager and i used to spend you know probably five six hours a day uh doing pause button mixes and stuff like that and it was um yeah, it was a nice, it, it really reminded me of that kind of, you know, the first years when I was, I was you know, a bedroom DJ and didn't have to worry about, um, you know, going to gigs or anything like that. It was just headphones on, you know, let's get lost in the music. Mm. Is it quite an intense process for you trying to find records that go together? Um, I was just thinking, you know, if you were, if we were talking about a, a techno DJ, um, of course, there's variation, massive variation between records, but um, you can kind of have an idea that, you know, roughly speaking, a lot of things will go with a lot of things. Whereas someone in your case, you play such a broad range of stuff that I'm imagining it's a slightly more difficult jigsaw puzzle, you know, putting stuff together. Um no i think the the 
the records sort of tell you what to mix them with i find and and obviously right. you know, i think once you have once you've got two or three tunes under your belt in terms of the intro you're kind of off and and you think you know so you kind of do it you know sort of blend by blend um you know you you always have a few tunes but you know the, the, there are certain ones where it's like right i need something in key at this tempo with this particular swing so there might have been you know certain oh, tunes yeah. certain tunes that might have been difficult to source simply because like well this tune's in the mix i've already licensed it now and i'm finding it impossible to find something else to go with it but i enjoy that challenge i think it's right. you know your you know each 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 piece of music has its own, you know, it's like a little person. It has its own individuality, kind of how it presents itself. You know, it brings forth some kind of energy or atmosphere. Um, you know, and I, I, I think about music, obviously, you know, you've got tempo and key and kind of swing and all these kind of metronomic or sort of tonal ways to link stuff together. But then obviously, you know, you have lyrical things or just the way a tune feels or its emotion or the mood yeah. of it. Um, so you kind of, as long as you can kind of have a couple of things in common, you know, sometimes you can just shoehorn something together or just chop it and it'll work really well as a, you know, as, as a quite a dramatic, um, you know, sort of left or right turn. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, I never get, an, you know, kind of frustrated or annoyed because it's like, look, I've got enough records here, you know, and, and um, it's just having that time to actually, you know, experiment and mess around and go right i've got to get from this kind of music to that kind of music in three records but it's got to feel extremely natural you, you know it can be done mm-hmm. um and actually when you nail it it's like wow that's you know you, you it, it's it's quite a feeling because you know that it's also that little sequence of records is quite unique um but uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, but it did really take me back to uh, yeah those teenage years of just spending you know 150 hours on a on a pause button mix. But we know with those mixes, you started and you finished. There was no going back. You know what I mean? There's no you know no no editing afterwards or anything like that. So it's yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, really good fun. Is there any sort of commonalities in the in the music that you play as a DJ? Are there any sort of underlying characteristics you can you can see among it all because uh, just again to reiterate you pay you know pan globally and you know across so many genres but i just wondered if you've sort of identified over the years like yeah i'm really drawn to like that type of thing you know mm, i'm not sure i think i like i like to a lot of tunes i like are ones that instantly grab you but then have a lot of layers to them, if you see what I mean. Like, say, for instance, if, yeah. it, if it's a hip hop tune, there might be, you know, it might be a killer two bar loop and a really fat beat, you know, so straight away you're like pulling the face and going, wow. But the lyrics might have so many levels of meaning that you can listen to it a hundred times and not get sick of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, kind of, I, I suppose, like, quite kind of punchy. Uh, and I, I suppose a certain level of warmth, but that can come from anything. And then. Yeah, longevity. I think um, you know, in in terms of repeated listening and 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 just something where you put it on, you you you're hearing something new, and that could be a very simple tune. You know, it doesn't need to be a you know very complex tune with with many many elements. It could have two or three elements, but where it takes you, using those three two or three elements, and yeah, obviously as you DJ, you you play 
the same tunes in a different way and kind of recontextualize them at every gig anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just enjoy the freedom of that, you know, what we were saying before about the, the, the technical solidity and, and being comfortable with that and then just going off on one with the music and going, yeah, I'm playing these two tunes together and I would have only thought about it in these circumstances because of what's happening right now at this moment in time. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't you know, I've, I don't particularly, um, you know, if we're talking about certain genres of music, I might go, okay, well, you know, in terms of house, I particularly rate these 20 producers or in hip hop or whatever, you know, I certainly have my, my tastes and, and sounds I'm kind of, I gravitate towards, but then I also like having my, you know, having my expectations kind of, um, confused slightly by something I've never heard before. You know, I, yeah. I love the fact that there's so much music coming from all over the world. You know, for instance, a lot of the, you know, kind of modern African electronic music or Principe or, or stuff like that. This is like, yeah, I can hear where it's coming from, but this, you know, listening to this now is like when I listen to, you know, sort of early jungle in, you know, the early nineties, it's like, this is, yeah. you yeah. could have never figured this music kind of coming about. So it's, it's, yeah, I, th- I think the joy of, of, of hearing new music and then working out where it's coming from and kind of, you know, understanding it because a lot of these kind of musics come from very specific local scenes where this what will sound weird to you is completely normal to the people who make it and dance to it every week. And then it's like, well, I've got to get into that before I can play it because otherwise it's a bit insulting, you know what I mean? But then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I'm going to find out, uh, you know, why this music sounds why it is get into it understand it find out about the music that influenced that and make connections that way you know so it's mm-hmm. kind of it's uh yeah it's, it's yeah, but that, that, that's happening all the time you know both with new music and you know all the amazing the never-ending endless stream of amazing reissues from all over the world mm. no, i was just going to say is is there maybe a little bit of a danger if you don't get to know and respect what's going on there there's potentially a danger that you sort of exoticize i, I don't know if that's the word but um you know, you kind of listening to things like, oh, isn't this so crazy, you know? And it, it's like, it's crazy from your perspective because you've never heard it. But mm. do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of, I'm, in, in your response, I'm getting this sort of uh, maybe responsibility that you feel to to really scratch the surface and, and be respectful. Yeah, but also, you know, from, from another point of view, I, you know, I, I've I, that's my approach. But then there might be some 15-year-old kid with a making music on you know, uh, a PlayStation or something like that, wherever in the world doing something and, and, you know, or or maybe a hip hop producer who's sampling music they never heard of, but coming up with something killer without knowing what it is. So I think it's kind of, you know, some people can, you know, maybe, maybe need to kind of, you know, dig into, um, the origins of their music they're using before they're comfortable with it. And other people are just like, yeah, whatever, grab Just it, and and grab, come, yeah. and, but come up with something amazing. Yeah. And, you know, who's to say which approach is best? Because often the kind of the smash and grab approach can be incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I've, you know, I think anyone who uses samples, you know, I suppose half the fun of using samples is going out of your way to find something that you're unfamiliar with and trying to flip it in a way which is like, you know, I've you know I've sampled loads of easy listening music in the past. I don't like easy listening music, you know. You know what I mean? But you kind of like, 
I've managed to make something quite, you know, a, a lot grittier than the the, the source material. Um, and obviously that easy listening music in itself was probably like a sort of watered down exoticized music of Bossa Nova or whatever else was popular yeah. at the time in the late sixties or, you know, or early seventies on music for pleasure or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, um, yeah, it, you know, the, 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 the music will always take these amazing journeys and that could be via groups of people or migration or just one producer grabbing a record that they have no idea about, you know, Jay Diller sampling, um, you know, um, Daft Punk, or which uh, one of Daft Punk anyway, but you know the tune I mean, that, that uh, tune that kind of speeds up and is, is sampling yes, a little, yeah. little kind of arpeggio bit. Wicked, you know, and that probably got a load of hip hop heads listening to Daft Punk, you know, even if it was just that one tune. Um, and whether or not that was in his, you know, sphere of influence at the time, or, you know, I mean, but what we're saying that was taking something outside of the accepted canon of sampled sounds. And, and you know and, and making a killer tune with it so yeah it's um you know i think as a dj you know you will or, or you know as a producer or a sampler or anyone who's, who's just using you know taking influences and trying to you know twist them into something personal by whatever means you feel comfortable with or whatever equipment you're presented with your there will be some kind of logic to it um and mine i think because i'm you know I, I'm really interested in in the story behind the music. Um, I'll I'll always kind of dig in a little bit before I start playing stuff, just so I can kind of maybe find a few other things that that fit alongside it as well, so that I can then join the dots in not a logical way, but a, a more of an informed way. Mm. Um, but then for me, that you know, because when you find you know, I don't know, a, a tune, you know, a modern tune that's completely futuristic sounding and you, and you manage to find a tune from the 60s which absolutely fits with it hand and glove and it might have taken you a few hours to find that but then it's like wow this is taking djing somewhere else you know what i mean because you're 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 making these combinations which might be completely logical if you trace the lineage of the music but just aren't really being made you know and on a on a you know on a um, very often these days you know and, and and for me kind of that showcasing music i'm excited about but also doing it in quite a you know i suppose a technical way but just that that technical uh knowledge or the techniques are, are, are purely there to make this a fun experience as well mm. i suppose djing is completely unique in that respect in that placing two pieces of music together can reveal something that wouldn't otherwise existed or it can invite you to think about a piece of music in ways that you otherwise just wouldn't have yeah yeah of course i, I suppose you know there are the there's a um a, an example i often use i mean you look at you know the the two of the foundations of 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 modern music in terms of um uh, music which is made and created by DJs, which is hip hop and house, yeah. and you know they were both, uh, you know, created by DJs around the same time, using very similar source material and coming up with very different results. And you know, I'm sure if you're a you know hip hop head listening to a house DJ playing the same, you know, classics, you know, as would have, um, you know referred to a lot of these sort of 
you know, 70s tunes, which are being used as source material for both genres, um, you're getting two different viewpoints. Mm. but still have an awful lot in common. And I think that, you know, the way I, you know, when I listen to music made by young producers nowadays and you think, oh, I can hear this and that influences. And, you know, sometimes I, I get to speak to the producers in question and they're like, nope, I wasn't listening to Electro. That that was influenced by Timberland. It's like, what? You know, and you're kind of, ri- ri- you're, you're, you're sort of forgetting that other people's old school is like your, you know, you don't think of it as being that far in the past. So, you know, I love the way that even one new record can completely change the way that you view a whole genre of music that you may be very familiar with for the last twenty or thirty years, and that can that is often done by someone who, you know, is not unwittingly doing that, but is just coming at it from a very different perspective, or you know, you know, a, a generation or two generations later, which is great because I think you know, as a you know, an older, more established practitioner, I think it's always good to let the younger generations kind of shine a light on how they understand things these days. Hey, hey. 